40% of the world's population lives under a federal system. Now, what exactly is it? The United States of America, Germany, Canada, and other countries use this system. These videos will go through a more selective and detailed approach to the United States federal system from the top town. This will heavily focus on the United States, Colorado, and Fort Collins, so be warned. Now let's begin with the history of how the system developed. Jackson, do you know how the United States Constitution was created? I cannot say I do. It was something about founding fathers, was it not? Yes, but do you remember the original document we had? Not one bit. Okay. <laughs> United States' first constitution after... Who did we get independence from? Great Britain. Good job. Was the Articles of Confederation, which was adopted in 1781 after we won the war. The Articles of Confederation created a very weak national government and a very powerful state government system within the 13 states. Of course, the main problem with the Articles of Confederation were that we had one delegate and one vote per state, no matter how populous. So, after the Founding Fathers realized, what in the name of God did we do? We decided to create what our new national document was, which is... The Constitution of America, of the United States of America. That's what that is. Yep. Do you remember the first words of the preamble? We the people... Exactly. But who were those people? The constitutional delegates include some of the most famous names of history. But the most important person was most likely James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Sayer. These three people became the Federalists who wrote the Federalist Paper. But now let's go into how the people created the Constitution. <clears throat> At this Constitution convention, we talked about the draft process. Now let's begin with that. There were two separate plans that caused a heatful debate and, and caused a compromise between this group of people called the Federalists and these group of people called the Anti-Federalists. Can you guess what states were in the Federalists and what states were in the Anti-Federalists? I learned about this in history one year. Unfortunately, that was a couple years ago. The Federalists were mo more of the more popular states, as in with higher population. They New uh, York, New York, and other states like Massachusetts and Philadelphia. Virginia was also a big state. And then the Anti-Federalists were the people from smaller states, mainly like New Jersey, Maryland, all these other states. So there were two conflicting ideals brought to the table there. It was the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. They had two different plans, which immediately made the compromise. <clears throat> what were the plans? That's actually a fun thing. Okay, so, the Virginia plan. Can you guess which delegate proposed the Virginia plan? John Quincy Adams. Mm. <laughs> okay, that was a few years later, but. <laughs> Fair enough. He wasn't even born yet, I don't think. So, well, the Virginia plan was proposed by James Madison, a delegate from what state? Virginia. 
<laughs> Good job. Um, it called for a completely new government, which something the Anti-Federalists and the other plan didn't want at all. They didn't want to just amend the Articles of Confederation. They wanted to create a new national document. And this is where we get some of the most common things we see, but it also was changed a bit. So, they proposed a bicameral legislator. Do you know what bicameralism is? I've heard the term. So it's like our modern House of Representatives and Senate. There, There is an upper house and a lower house. So the, both houses have to agree with each other for anything to get passed. Understand? I can pretend. Okay. So the bicameral legislator means two houses, which are congresses, basically, that are separate from each other in this group of legislation. Cool. <laughs> That's really a simple concept when it, you really break it down. All right. So, it also gave, James Madison proposed giving Congress the power to veto state laws and regulate commerce. That was something unheard of at the time, and people feared that it would attack states' rights, which is one of the biggest things the Revolutionary War was about, no taxation without representation. And it also created a strong executive branch and federal ju judiciary with broad jurisdiction. These are a lot of shining things that come from the Virginia plan. It also favored large states, obviously, as they would have had greater rep representation in the legislature. Next, you can you guess what small state proposed? Rhode Island. Okay. <laughs> the New Jersey plan. Oh, it's close. <laughs> that... Okay, the East Coast is the East Coast. Okay. <laughs> so, the New Jersey plan was proposed by William Patterson, a nobody. Guess what state he was from? New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> um, so, it um, aimed to amend, not destroy the Articles of Confederation. So, really... You know, not really revolutionary. So, okay. it proposed a one a unicameral legislature. That's probably makes a lot more sense to you if you use your word parts. Unicameral legislature. What does that mean, Jackson? One house <laughs> instead of yeah. two upper bottom houses. Each state would only have one vote. Alright. You see how much of a problem that would be? Yes. Because you have a giant state with like about one third of the US population probably and then you have these tinier states with the same amount of representation mm -hmm. that wasn't gonna slide so, but it also gave Congress the power to raise revenue and regulate commerce just like the Virginia plan that was something wrong with the articles of the Federation the national government could not create national income taxes but it created a Supreme Court with limited jurisdiction. You can't have a giant judicial system, you can only have a small one. And it favored small states, like I already stated. One vote for everyone. So, the Virginia plan had the, was the most populous, but there were some compromises. 
And do you know what the, those compromises were called? Um, no. The Virginia Compromise. The Virginia Compromise. Okay. So, in the Virginia Compromise, we get our Constitution, which is a bicameral legislature. The small states hated bicameralism, but were okay with this type of bicameralism. You know how how many, um, you know how many votes each state gets in the Senate? Two. Mm-hmm. And you know that is what plan was that? Do you know? Can you guess? No. The New Jersey plan: equal representation, two votes from each state. Hmm. And then our lower house, which is our lower house is um, under the ground. <laughs> okay. Sometimes. It's like a basement beneath the upper house. It's the House of Representatives. House of Representatives. And what is the upper house? The Senate. The Senate. That somewhat makes sense. Do you know what ancient republic we get the name Senate from? The Romans. Yes. So, interesting fact. <laughs> the ancient Romans had a lot of influence on the Americans. So, the ancient Romans were what Alexander Hamilton proposed this completely different plan from and was way out there. You might recognize it from uh, non-stop from a Hamilton. Hamilton proposed a new form of government, a new plan for his own form of government. That's one of the most famous lines that was alluding to his plan. So, Alexander Hamilton, the young delegate from New York, the, which is the most populous state in the Union at that time. Yes. He said, why don't we have a Senate? They're all elected by the people. They have terms, obviously. A unicameral Senate. So this Senate is unicameral. And then they elect the legislative branch for life. Interesting. The, I mean, the executive branch for life. Yeah, okay. They choose the president for life. That sounds a lot like the Roman Empire, doesn't it? Somewhat. In the Roman Empire, you just because you were the son of an emperor doesn't mean you were going to be the emperor. It doesn't? Nope. The Romans had a check and balance system. So, the patrician senators would gather around and appoint an interrex, very similar to, which means between kings. All right. This was very similar to the Roman kingdom in that regard. And when they, so they did that, their interrex could only rule for like five days. So this interrex decided, we need to hold a vote. So, the senate was usually crowded with a lot of people that the new emperor wanted because it was obviously not an elected position. It was a person where you could just push people in and you would get the vote. So the emperor who got the most votes became the emperor. And it was usually the person the other dead emperor wanted. So Augustus wanted Tiberius. Tiberius wanted Caligula. Caligula didn't want Nero, but got Nero anyway. All right. So, Hamilton was like, I really like the Roman Empire. And I really want George Washington. So why don't we do both? 
Interesting. That obviously got no power. <laughs> you can imagine. George Washington, Roman Emperor. American Emperor. Roman Emperor. Yeah. Okay. New Roman Emperor. Hail George. Hail George. Absolutely. Caesar George. Imagine. Okay. So, Hamilton was completely insane. For Hail that. George. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Okay. So, with this, with the Virginia plan eventually winning out for the most part, we have our Constitution. This Constitution provided for... So, Article 1. You know what that one is. Quick fire. Artic no. Article 1 is the legislator. Okay, I won't know these. So, it's established the Senate, the House of Representatives, and their powers. Do you know how a cabinet is confirmed by the Senate? President. So, the President appoints a member of the cabinet. Yes. And then this nomination, if required to be sent to the Senate, is sent to the Senate. And then the Senate has hearings and votes upon that. That's how the confirmation process works. It's a check and balance system. Okay, so the Senate approves the... Nominations of... The President. Yeah. Alrighty then. Okay. In Article 2, can you guess what that one is? The Judicial Branch. Correct! Article 2 is the Judicial Branch, which we'll go into... We'll go into more detail about the United States Constitution next time. Next time? Yeah. So that's as far as we'll go, because those are the two of the most important articles, because Article 3 is about the executive, and Article 4 is just random stuff. Well, why don't you list those? I'd love to know. <laughs> because those will be talked about next episode. Next episode, all right. Do you know why the Bill of Rights was passed? Um, for extra rights. <laughs> Hail George! <laughs> Hail George is total the working title of this episode in the podcast. All right, then. So, where does Hamilton's plan come into this? Or was it just completely forgotten about because it was bad? Hamilton's plan comes into the naming. The naming. Senate. Senate? House of Representatives. All right. President. President. In other countries, they had presidents. But these weren't head of the executive branch. These were people who preside, which is the first part of president, over parliament sessions. You have the president of the Storting in Norway. You have the president of Germany and other places. But you do not have the president. A giant title. We were the first person to... We were one of the first countries to create this title of president as not just a parliamentarian, as just a leader of your country. Do you know what a lot of parliamentarian groups call their leaders that are very similar to presidents? First off, what is... Parliamentarian. Parliament. So we have a federal government, which is very different from a parliament. Congress is not the same as a parliament. And what is a parliament? A parliament is like a congress in some aspects, but a, the parliament, which is the legislative, usually elects the executive. Alright. Not by popular vote. Oh, I see. So the legislative... But the main difference from Hamilton's plan when it comes to parliamentarian is that they're able to vote <laughs> for their legislative branch and then as 
long as the Prime Minister has com the confidence of the majority of that parliament, he has the power. He or she has the power. But whenever they have no confidence, they get rid of the executive branch and replace it with a new one. Who gets rid of the executive branch? The Blank. legislative. The legislative. The leg okay. Yeah. Okay. Kind of confusing for our American brains. Very confusing for my American brain. So what do you, what do most countries who have a parliament call the leader? Think of the UK, Canada. Prime minister. Correct. Because in parliaments they have ministers, which serve very similar to secretaries in aspects. How is that? They each have specific duties, like there's the Minister of Defense, who would be very equivalent to our Secretary of... Defense? Yes, and the Minister of State is usually what they call the Prime Minister. Alright. Our Secretary of State is very, very interesting. <laughs> I suppose that's next episode, though. Yeah. So that's the main difference between parliaments and congresses. A lot... Most countries do parliaments. Even Germany as a federal government it uses a parliament system. And a parliament is where the people in the parliament are who elects the leaders. Executive, yeah. E yes. Yes. They usually have some say because the prime minister has to be a party leader. And the party, the party at large elects the party leader. All right. And that is somewhat connected to our House of Representatives? Kind of. Kind of? It's really confusing because the House of Representatives doesn't have a, a lot of delegated power in the f first article. They've managed to gain more power, not because of amendments, but because of them just creating rules and c passing laws. Which, which amendment does that give them the power to do so? I'm gonna go and guess here. How about 43? There are only 27. Ah, uh, okay. Um, negative 6. So the Tenth Amendment says <laughs> any power is not delegated to the state. To the federal government are delegated to the states. So that's how the House of Representatives is able to pass laws to enforce stuff. Alright. Again, we'll go more into that. <clears throat> so, do you know what famous 50, like, over 100 papers were sent out, and what were they named to defend the Constitution? Give, I'll give you a hint. What type of government do we have? The parliamentary notes. The Federalist Papers. Federalist Papers. They were written by three people I told you to remember from the beginning of the episode. Beethoven, Mozart, and John Quincy Adams. Absolutely correct. No, not really. So, we have Alexander Hamilton. Yes. John Jay. I know him. He was the first Chief Justice. Alright. And then James Madison. Do you know how many John Jay wrote? Fifty. Three. Three. He got sick after writing three. Oh. And then he died? No, he's a, he was the first Chief Justice. How would he die? Well, maybe that was after he was <laughs> Chief Justice, before the Constitution. Okay. John Jay was also a former president of the Continental Congress, which meant he presided over the Congress. 
Okay. James Madison, who eventually became the fourth president of the United States. Fourth president. After the Constitution. Okay. Can you guess how many he wrote? Um... I'm gonna say... Four. He wrote 18 to 20. 18, okay. Alexander Hamilton, what dollar bill is he on? The... Three dollar bill. The ten dollar? Ten dollar bill. And that is because he was the first secretary of the... Treasury. Yes! Alexander Hamilton wrote almost 51. 51. So there were like a whole... Lot. 70 letters. 70, yeah, roughly. I'm good at math. And that Disney show is sure a learning, learning thing. <laughs> what? Don't worry about it. This is going to be some primetime audio for our audience. Yep. So, yeah. That was a pretty cool thing. And most of the public was like, Frick your amendments. Frick your constitution. We want the Articles of Confederation. And then they read all 50, 70-something of those things and were like... Who has time for that? Women. In the 1700s. Fair enough. They, mo a lot of men were influenced by their women's reading. If the, their women could read. Sounds mildly sexist. It was, but we got to remember what time we're in. The most sexist time in the history of America. I guess America hasn't had a long history. No. We only have 27 amendments. The British Constitution has been edited over 100 times. Why would you need more than 27? We're perfect the way it is. Okay. Absolutely perfect. We're going to talk about no Thomas Jefferson here. here. Thomas Jefferson. He was... Um, somebody who wrote things. He was the something at the president. He was the third president. The third president. Then why did we talk about the fourth president before the third president? Because he was That's not sequential order. Doesn't sound like sequential order to me. He was in France. He was in France? What were you doing in France? He was trying to talk to the French who helped us during the Revolutionary War. That's right. The French were friends. And helping the French Revolution. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> this is actually going to be some of the greatest audio ever, and breaking the fourth wall is totally natural in a podcast. Yep, keep going. Okay, so Thomas Jefferson was in France, but he did think about, he did talk to James Madison a lot by sending letters, and he's like, James, hear me out on this one. I know we have very close names because of my last name. Most people call me by my last name. Not a lot of people call you by Madison. So... Jefferson to your, my homeboy James. We got to make sure this constitution is as weak as possible. Okay, hear me out, James. Yo. So, we're going to make sure that we have a revolution every 20 years because of how freaking weak this constitution is. Why do we want that? Some call him a neo-Trotskyite. I have never heard that word before in my life. Could you elaborate? Oh, sorry, a proto-Trotskyite. So That's even worse. Trots Trotsky. Trotskyite. 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 So Trotsky, communist revolutionary in the 20th century. 
Okay. He believed in a constant revolution. Why? People always have power. Okay. Flash backwards to reality. Backwards to reality. I was quoting Eminem, but that obviously lost you. Completely. Flash back to reality. Okay, well, anyways. This is totally not getting cut. <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. Just awkward. Yes. Continue on with our most lovely story. So, flashback to Thomas Jefferson. He said, 20 years. Make this document as weak as possible so we can make it stronger in 20 years. Then make it even stronger in 20 years. Interesting. Yeah, it's really confusing. Thomas Jefferson didn't like a strong federal government. Why not? He was an anti-federalist. Yes, but why were people against the federal government? What is the argument here? States' rights. States' rights. That's the whole thing? Yep. All right. Not oversimplified at all? <laughs> totally not because he owned, like, 3,000 slaves. All right. Nah. The interesting fact about Thomas Jefferson, he was going to write a condem condemnation of slavery in the Declaration of Independence. Good for him. Didn't. Didn't? Because he wanted the South's vote. Bad for him. He was a southerner. So, we got this. We got this constitution. We got this Federalist Papers. Now all we need to do is ratify. Ratify the Federalist Papers? The Constitution. The Constitution. Alright. So, do you know what was the last state to ratify the Constitution? Nope. It was New York. New York. Why did New York not want to ratify the Constitution? That's a, actually a good question. Most historians debate about this fact, but a lot of people believe because... Just because they were being jerks. Think of how populous New York would have been at the time. Many people? Compared to the rest of the state. Yes. There were only like six people in the whole U.S. Y yep. And they had like a solid four of them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And think about how long those elections would have taken to gather all the votes to make sure that your populace wants this and then go to your state legislator show this to the people the state legislature has to vote upon it and since a lot of state legislatures are based on population think of how big their state legislature was huh they didn't even have email yeah or cars for that matter imagine your buddy just riding on a horse to tell you the constitution's been ratified and you haven't even heard of the constitution in a week interesting Constitution just arrived on the mayor's hall. I can't relate to that scenario one bit. That's because we have email. That is because we have email, and I'm thankful for it. Imagine how easy the Federalist Papers would have gone out if John Jay had email. Well, nobody would have written them. Re read, readed them. Read. Readed. Read it. Read. 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 Hail George. <laughs> Hail George. <laughs> May, may George's blessings shine down upon us. <laughs> okay, continue on. Yeah. So, we have this dandy little election in 19... Not 19. 1788. And do you know who got elected? Oh. John Quincy Adams. Hail George! George. George Washington. Yes. He won by an electoral college landslide. Imagine. Unanimously. Has that ever happened? Not, not after that. 
All right. I guess people really like George. So technically, Delaware is the first state. Do you know why? George Washington is Delawarean. No, he's Virginian. He's Virginian? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Because Delaware... Was the place where that happened. The first state to ratify the Constitution. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to mention something. What did you forget to mention? The Three-Fifths Compromise. The what? Three-Fifths Compromise. I heard about this in history. That was like slaves. Yeah, it's pretty fricked up. Yeah. So, back to the Virginia and New Jersey plan. New Jersey's like, fine, we'll take your frickin' plan if you, with all those things. Now you better give us... Money. Not counting those slaves. But if we don't count the slaves, we don't have population. Fine. We'll give you three-fifths. Fine. They count as three-fifths of the person. Every five slaves, there's only three people. See how messed up that is? Yes. Yeah. But let's get to the nitty-gritty of this. In 1781, these people said, Hey, we're going to disenfranchise an entire group of people and not even count them as a whole person. Well, I mean, yeah, slavery. Not the prettiest thing. This, is, among other things, was about the reasons that caused the Civil War. All those years later? Yes. The Constitution eventually caused the Civil War. Yes, because of states' powers and such. Yeah. And slavery. The slavery issue. Yes. In our Declaration of Independence, do we not say all men are created equal? We do say all men are created equal, as long as they are rich, white, wealthy landowners. Exactly. Most Americans didn't have the right to vote in the first election. It was only rich, white landowners. Yep. Eventually we fixed that for the next few elections. Do you know what our first nation capital after the Constitution was? Philadelphia. New York City. New York City. Makes sense. Because really we didn't have a national residence, so really the president just got to pick whatever and he was in what New York and liked Alexander Hamilton and so much he's like, sure bud, do whatever you want. Alright. So that's all we have to talk about, the history of federalism. Tune in next time for the Constitution. <laughs>